Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. <laughs> Whether it's your first or 21st time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. I first want to apologize because this week we have a late episode. I got a bit swamped over my four days in a row working and I just did not have time to record the intro and everything, so uh, I had put up a notice on Twitter and Instagram, so if you missed it there, I'm sorry, but that's what happened. I just decided it would be best to delay it 24 hours, and here we are. With my new schedule, there will be no worries in the future. In fact, my introductions will always be recorded same day and everything, so that's fun. There isn't any podcast news exactly, except that I'm still kind of figuring out how to release bonus episodes. I do have one that's ready for launch, ready to go, but just figuring out where to put it. So I've just been thinking about putting it into the podcast feed, as well as my first watch-along bonus episode, which I'll get into later. (laughs) But yes, otherwise, also, earlier this week I had posted about it, but if you want to get to know me a little bit more, I was on the Ethnically Ambiguous podcast, which is co-hosted by Shireen Lani Yunus, who is super wonderful, and of course, Anna Hosnia is also wonderful. Shireen was on my episode about Sailor Moon Sailor Stars back in December, yes, episode 15. So if you haven't listened to that episode, by the way, it is such a fun one. We didn't really talk about Magical Girls all that much, just a little bit at the top of the show, but otherwise, it's just a little bit about me and my experience, how I was raised and so on. So just a little bit about that. So if you want to get to know me a little bit more, I don't usually talk about my own experiences on this podcast. So that's something that you can check out if you'd like. It's a great podcast, by the way. So if you're interested in just looking at the variety of experiences of different people, people of interest to the hosts and I am still very, very, very flattered that I was even invited on at all. So thank you both of you so much for inviting me. Okay, so I guess we can just jump right into the news because there is a lot this week. Okay, so let's try to get into all of these different things. So, first of all, we have news about Precure or Precure. So, last week was the final episode of Healing a Precure, though we will still get a little bit more of them in the movie that comes out in March. It was a bit of a bumpy ride since we had the cancellation of episodes due to COVID and a slight extension on the actual season time by ending it at the end of February instead of a little bit earlier. But it's still also the shortest season. I think I've mentioned this before, but we will not get into this season of Precure until later. But of course, the next thing is people getting excited for the next Precure series, which is Tropical Rouge Precure. So we already had the conference this week. I believe that there will be a YouTube video up by now, so I will link to it in the show notes where you can watch things. Um, I'm not sure where there are translations, but I'm sure that people have been translating bits and pieces, the stuff that's important and so on. This Sunday it will be released, and uh, with that, since it is a first episode, 
I will record my first watch along for this podcast. And um, I'm going to be watching it live on television because thanks to my new schedule, I can do that, which is interesting. I guess pretty shortly after, you'll be able to get that in your feed. So a watch along will just mean simply that you can watch the show with me. So again, if you live in the States, then Crunchyroll will have it available. I don't know the extent to Crunchyroll's accessibility in other countries, so I apologize. But yeah, if you are watching Tropical Roost Precure, then you can watch along with me as I watch it here in Japan. You'll need to pause sometimes as there will be commercials, but <laughs> yeah, it should be interesting. I'm not quite sure how to get through that because、uh, no matter what service I would use to watch it, there will be commercials. Next, we have news about Mucle Dreamy Mix. So, we had this announcement earlier in the podcast, but this is the sequel series to Mucle Dreamy, this continuation. It looks like we're going to keep the same characters, and there is a new partner character, dream partner, whose name is Chia. She is a red baby cat. Very cute. So that's going to be really exciting. We've also seen some new visuals, so that's pretty cool. That will be released in April, so I do look forward to watching more of that in the future. I do actually have to watch the first Mugle Dreamy. I have not yet. Finally, we got some news from Tokyo Mew Mew, which is really exciting. So, just on, I believe it was Monday night, they had this first muting, as it were, or meeting for Tokyo Mew Mew announcements. And as the meeting was going along, they started to post the announcements online. One thing that's really great, I'm not sure entirely why, but they have English tweets for all the announcements on the Tokyo Mew Mew new Twitter. Which I believe is at mew underscore mew underscore new. So that's cool. But what we know so far, we already knew that there was going to be an idol group made from the five voice actresses playing the five mews. But we didn't know anything other than that. So we got the first visual for Ichigo Momomiya as Mew Ichigo. And it looks like it's basically an inspired design from the comic. Some people are noting that it's interesting that her hair is red rather than pink. The series is announced to release in 2022. And that's all we know so far. But it looks like the focus will be on the Mew Idol group in the meantime. So they announced the group name, which is Smoothie. It's a little hard to say, but very cute. <laughs> a portmanteau of Mew and Smoothie. I dig it. The logo is very cute, and we got the first visual for what I believe would be for the first single, but I'm not sure. Outfits that are definitely inspired by, but not directly based on, the Mew Mew characters. So that's pretty cool. I enjoy that. So Bittersweet Darling is the first single, and we also know that actually, probably about the time this episode drops, we will be getting the first premiere of the song because it's going to be. Played on the radio alongside a radio interview with Yuki Tenma, the voice actress who plays Mew Ichigo. So that's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, let's all look forward to that. There's definitely a lot of chatter about all these things over in the Discord. So, but I believe that's everything for news. Oh, I forgot one more thing. Oh my goodness. It's because it happened so long ago. It's been almost a week. If you are a former player of Magia Record the Game, Then you would know that the North American release had a North American server exclusive magical girl named Ashley Taylor, voiced by 
Sally Amaki, who is a, an American-raised Japanese voice actress. The character is very interesting because the character is an American girl who comes to Japan and loves Japan, etc., etc. So it looks like finally this character has been released over to the Japanese server. And this is significant because we lost the North American server last year, back in, I believe, September or October. I believe there was a slight extension. Yeah, a lot of people were very sad for her that we had completely lost a character to the canon in a way, but now she will exist again. And that's going to be really interesting to see. I don't play this game anymore, so I have not been playing any of these kinds of games in a very long time. They can get very addicting, and I just don't have the time. But yeah, pretty cool for new fans to discover this character, because it's a little bit of the reverse of what we're used to, I suppose. So that's pretty cool. Let's get into what I have been watching. So um, again, because of my schedule, I have not been able to watch a lot of different things this week, um, but things will be ramping up soon as I organize my new life <laughs> and um, also organize what shows I'll be watching so that I have free time to watch shows that are not related to the podcast. But in the meantime, so let's see, I enjoyed some more Ojemajo Doremi. I can't remember if I mentioned it last week or this week that I have uh, finally met Onpu, the purple witch. And she's a very interesting character because I know she's very popular, but I didn't really know why. So now I know about her. So that's fun. Being so late to the fandom is, is always interesting to try to kind of figure out, oh, why is this character popular? Why is this character popular? So yeah, I'm just again slowly going through. So goodness, I feel like I'm near the end but i'm not sure it's a long series <laughs> but anyway so that's pretty cool and i also have been watching happiness charge precure i think i'm almost finished we'll get into it whenever we talk about that series on the show but that's one of the biggest series for me because for precure that was the first precure season that i watched while it was airing and it was very, very exciting at the time to actually have that, you know, looking forward to it every week and all of those feelings. And it's just a lot. <laughs> but I really, really love this season. So it's been very fun to revisit. And I still hope in the future that we get some more singing in Precure because I love it so much. Let's see what else did I watch. I have watched and finished um, pre-tier the new legend of snow white so this is a 2001 magical girl series the adaptation is 13 episodes long and after reading through what some of the differences are i've just been very interested in this story i really enjoyed a lot i don't think i watched it when i was a kid like at that age but i always heard about it so i was always kind of like aware of some things about it but i hadn't actually watched it or read it so I actually immediately was like looking online to find out if I could get my hands on the comic for a reasonable price, because that is one thing that we're not always guaranteed when it comes to some of these magical girls. So yeah, that was really interesting. Goodness, I think in the end, that's all I've been watching and reading, which is too bad. So hopefully next week, I'll have more to talk about because I'll have a little bit more free time. <laughs> so with that, I think it's time to get to today's topic. The 
this week we're going to be talking about Magical Girl Raising Project, which first came into existence as a light novel series back in 2012, before being adapted into a 12-episode animated series in 2016. We kind of talk a little bit about the light novel, but neither I nor my guest had read it, so we don't really go into detail just based on things we've read on wikis and so on. We are talking primarily about the adaptation. We don't get into all the differences, but there are some, and it was just a a very lovely chat. So I do apologize because we're getting into uh, Dark Magical Girls again, as we did last week with Madoka Magica. I know these shows are not for everyone. Hopefully the Precure content next week will also help to balance things out. I should specify the bonus episode. Uh, Next week's episode is not a Precure episode. (laughs) We don't get into absolutely every terrible thing these girls experience, but I want to warn any listeners who haven't watched the series that it contains death, especially murder. There's also one suicide. We do talk about that today. There's also some child abuse and more specifically pedophilia. It's a heavy series, and if you're not interested in something this dark, that's fine. We also talk about that a little bit, but yeah, we both watched and enjoyed the series so hopefully you will as well before we get into things there is a lot of spoiler territory because of the nature of this series being very short there isn't a lot to talk about before the spoilery stuff starts happening if that makes sense so it kind of just jumps right in and so for that reason if you really don't want any spoilers i would recommend skipping this episode and coming back to listen after you've watched the series again those are the content warnings for the series so if you watch the first episode and you think it's not for me that's fine don't worry about it there's definitely a space for this kind of series, and it's not something that everyone will enjoy, and that's fine. Not everyone is looking for something like this in their magical girls. So, yeah, with that, uh, let's get into our chat with Pixie Schmixy about Magical Girl Raising Project. <laughs> So today we are here to talk about Magical Girl Raising Project, and I have a very fun guest with me. Can you please introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Pixie Schmixie. Uh, you can call me Pixie. She, her pronouns. I am a student in my third year of college, and I have been a huge Magical Girl fan since 2015, I believe. So not not quite as long as some of the other guests, but... Yeah, it's a lot longer than some of my other friends, at least. (laughs) Well, we definitely welcome everyone here, even people who are just getting into Magical Girls this year. It's all good. But yeah, let's get into that then. So yeah, what is your history with Magical Girls? Oh, well, uh, I actually found Tokyo Mew Mew on YouTube with English subtitles uh, around, I want to say, maybe 2010. And I watched a few episodes... And I thought to myself, huh, this is pretty neat. And then I just dropped it, like completely dropped it. And I didn't get back to the genre at all until I read the entire Shugokara manga about two years later. But while I did read the manga, the anime didn't click with me at all just because it was so, so different. 
So I didn't actually get back into Magical Girl anime until around September of 2015 when they announced that Glitter Force was happening. And I was like, okay, they're probably going to censor the dub to no end. And I was right. So I decided I might as well watch the original just so I know, okay, here's what they ruined. So by the time Glitter Force actually came out that December, I had seen over half of Smile Precure, and I was hooked. Not just on Smile, but on the entirety of Precure, and I've been a major Precure fan ever since. So it's actually quite funny that we're not here to talk about Precure. Hmm, well, that's that's fine. Of course, this is a pro-Glitter Force space, but I understand not everyone enjoys yep. it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it really depends on where you're coming from. More recently, I've actually been working on a Precure fan series that's been Mm. in production for well over a year now. Uh, Basically, a Precure fan series is a fan-made Precure season with a cast or written story and sometimes artwork. And the one I've been working on, I've been calling it Fly and Friends Precure, or Fly Free for short. And it's actually a collaboration between myself and one of your previous guests, Sir Waffle. I like to joke about how it's basically the season that Koei would never make, even if they were paid a million dollars to make it, just because there's so many aspects of it that Toei has never really done before and probably will never do, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, we do have a little time at the beginning here, so do you want to tell us about what Flypree is about? Oh, sure. Flypree is about a team of three male Precure who live in America two of whom are actually in an openly gay relationship and they work to use weather powers to fight these like evil animal guys who want to turn the whole sky dark so only nocturnal creatures can enjoy it or something like that their plan isn't really all that clear and uh yeah it's it's a lot of fun we gave the pink cure water powers and the blue cure fire powers just to mix things up a bit And uh, it's gotten a bit of um, a following. People seem to really like it on Twitter, but not really much anywhere else. Though they are sort of the unofficial mascots of r slash Precure fan series, the Reddit subreddit that I run. Oh, Um, I see. I didn't uh, even know that was a a subreddit at all, so I have to check that out later. (laughs) I made it in about, I think, like December or January. Oh, great. Um, it's rather recent. Mm-hmm-hmm. Yeah, fan cures are very interesting. Maybe there will be a time where we can get into those in a bit more detail on the podcast. I mean, generally, most Magical Girl series do have a lot of people making their own fan characters. I certainly did a few of those myself when I was younger. But uh, it's very interesting to see that because of the way Precure is in particular, that uh, it's very, very easy to fit in a whole bunch of original characters into a new Precure made by fans. Yeah, so uh, speaking of Magical Girl series where people can kind of insert whatever, it's very easy to uh, make characters for, um, we're going to be talking about Magical Girl Raising Project. So this one is very different from all the other ones that you had mentioned. So I'm very curious to know what your history is with this series in particular. Oh, well, I had heard about Raising Project in passing now and then, like on Tumblr and Twitter, since the show began in 2016. But I didn't actually take it seriously or like look into it 
until around when the pandemic took off and everyone got stuck at home. Uh, I had actually asked a dear friend of mine, hey, do you think I like Raising Project? I've been considering checking it out. And his response, his immediate response was, no, absolutely not. Do not watch it at all. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, it can't be that bad. And the next thing I knew, I had binged all 12 episodes by accident. Hmm, I see. Had you watched any um, other Seinen Magical Girl series before? Uh, yes, I had watched Madoka previously, Madoka Magica, and uh, I didn't really like it as much as I liked Racing Project. I don't know why it didn't click with me as much. Hmm, that's very interesting. So as we've talked about before on other episodes of the podcast, in fact, the Madoka episode will have come out just before this one. Yeah, Madoka definitely helped to create this huge demand for these kinds of darker Magical Girl series. Yeah, so Magical Girl Raising Project was originally a light novel series. There are a lot of books. I actually cannot recall how many. I think there are 10 or 12 at this point, but there's only one season of the show. I don't know if it's directly because of Madoka that the light novel series had started, though it, it dates till after Madoka, the series itself which was not based on any existing series. But uh, yeah, Raising Project as an animated series is only one story from, I guess, the first book more or less adapted into this, like you said, a 12-episode series. Yeah, so what would you say basically is the story of Raising Project? So there is this app uh, that you get on your phone called Magical Girl Raising Project, and it's a game when you make your own little magical girl OC and you make her fight monsters. And as far as we can tell, that's it. That's the game. That's all you do. But rumors start spreading. Oh, there are these real magical girls that nobody can really get a picture of or remember what they look like clearly. And they say that they came around because of this app. Uh, and our main character, Kayuki, really loves magical girls. She's a magical girl purist. So when she hears these rumors, she's like, huh, that's weird. Might as well check out the app. And she does check out the app. And lo and behold, the rumors were true. She really does become a magical girl. That's all well and good. But then one day, all 15 magical girls get called into the chat room by the mascot, Fav. And he goes, hey, so here's the deal, Pun. There's not enough mana, but there's a lot of you, Pun. So we got to cut back the numbers from 15 to 8, Pun. And so they start off with this contest to see who can do the most good. And Koyuki's winning, and everything's fine. But then, when we find out who loses, we find out, oh no, you can't just stop being a magical girl and go live a normal life. When you stop being a magical girl, you live no life. <laughs> yes, exactly. This competition becomes one of life or death. And it's definitely got a lot of similarities, for sure, with Madoka Magica in that you have this uh, mascot character, Fav, who's not telling the whole truth. Down right to the very end, there's still a lot that we don't know until it's like too late. And it's a very interesting series. And we start with 15 magical girls in the city, and eventually you get one more. But by the end, only two remain. Yes. Why do you think it is that you like this series? 
I think like a lot of the concepts they introduced really intrigued me. Like with Precure, for example, the girls have like one strict uniform or like a couple strict design elements that have to remain consistent. They all have powers that have to remain consistent for the most part. Like, Mm. sure, they can each have their own unique element, but like for the most part, it's all like, oh, use this one thing to do this one thing for this result. But with the Girls and Raising Project, it's like, oh, you each have your own unique thing you can do. And it's really cool. Like the only ones that really match up are the identical twins for the obvious reason that they are identical twins. Hmm. Everyone else is just their own unique type of magical girl. And it's really neat to see what the term magical girl means to each of these girls. Yes. And I would say that for sure, anyone who is aware of the history of magical girls will find a lot of interesting aspects to each of these characters because even down to the way that they transform can be vastly different depending on their age and we have a very wide range of ages of the actual girls though they might not all look to be the same age that they are actually when they transform and that's also another aspect that's very interesting (laughs) so I guess we can go right into talking about the characters then So we'll start, of course, like you mentioned, we have Koyuki. So she becomes Snow White, and she very quickly gets teamed up with another magical girl named La Pucelle. And La Pucelle is a very interesting case as well. Do you want to talk about them a little bit? Sure. So Koyuki, when she was a kid, about like five or six, uh, she was friends with this boy. And, And Sota also liked magical girls, but he couldn't really talk about it with anyone except Koyuki. Because, you know, boys are supposed to like manly things like Transformers or Hot Wheels or whatever it is, guys. (laughs) And so he talked with Koyuki about Magical Girls a lot. And he gave her Magical Girl merchandise and DVDs and stuff. And they sort of drifted apart when middle school came around. But then, lo and behold, La Puchelle is Sota. So they actually pair up and become like a duo very early on. Mostly because A, they live right near each other, and B, they were already friends to begin with. Yeah, Lapuzel, not gonna lie, is probably my favorite character. It's a very interesting case because we have this boy who becomes a girl, and it's a very interesting thing to think about, like, critically. What does it mean, I guess, to be a boy who becomes a magical girl, which of course has happened in a few other series as well, but the way that it happens with this like complete body change and so on is, I think, very, very interesting to think about. Yeah, it raises a lot of questions that unfortunately don't really get answered. Yeah, unfortunately not. But I like to think of it as a, there's a way to read the series and read his character as being one of a trans girl, which I appreciate. But I could understand for others who might not want to have that reading as well because the idea is that he is a boy but becomes a magical girl so yeah that one's that's pretty interesting so they are like the first or i guess the main duo that we see but then even longer than that we see another duo of older teenagers top speed and ripple i guess at first glance don't necessarily seem like they are particularly a match exactly 
but again, every magical girl is very unique in its own way. So Top Speed is very much a classic witch type magical girl with a flying broomstick and all of that. And Ripple is a ninja character, which is also very interesting. Uh, yes, um, Ripple is actually one of my least favorites. Just because, sure, she's all like the stoic and cool type. But to me, she's basically what would happen if Shadow the Hedgehog got magical girl powers. Because all she really does is just hang out and be brooding and serious. She doesn't really have much of a character beyond that. Which is unfortunate because I would really have liked to see her more. Top Speed, on the other hand, is my second favorite. She's both soothing and energizing at the same time like she's like comforting to be around but at the same time you know you're gonna have a good time if you're around her she cares about everyone else so much and it's just so nice to see in this like pretty much war she's like an energizing supportive force to everybody Hmm. yeah definitely so i can understand your feelings about ripple i think that once we get the chance to really see what her regular life is like, and that is one thing that's really great about this series, is that despite the short episode count, we do get to see everyone's lives not in their magical state, so we kind of know a little bit more about who each girl is. And um, I think that they justify her personality a bit. Like, she clearly goes through a lot that would make her escape into being a magical girl but still have that demeanor i guess but i could definitely see why she would be not for everyone (laughs) yeah and um top speed is also yeah a very interesting character for sure what do you think of them as a pairing i guess uh i think it's actually kind of funny because it it harkens back to precure a little bit uh because precure when they have duos they go out of their way to make them as like opposite as possible while still giving them like traits that match up so they can like get along hmm. with top speed and ripple they don't have traits that match up aside from the fact that they both wear black while transform <laughs> um, it's a bit like pairing up spongebob with squidward in a way hmm. that's an interesting take kind of yeah i could kind of see that Top Speed definitely has a very interesting view of the world, and we'll get into a little bit of spoilers later as to why that probably was the case. And then, let's see, should we talk about the the next duo, the actual romantic partners? Oh, yes, certainly. Great. One thing that we've actually already discussed a little bit on the podcast before is uh, we have what I would say is pretty clearly a, a couple of uh, two women which is um, nice for representation for at least a short time. So it's a sister, Nana, who has a nun-type magical girl thing. And then uh, Vice Winter Prison is her partner. What would you say Winter Prison's costume is mimicking? I want to say like maybe like a bodyguard or something. It's mm. rather hard to place it in some ways. She's got like the scarf and she's got like formal attire and everything. She mm. looks like a regular soldier in a way which I think is kind of interesting. Yes, yes. She definitely seems like she was always there to protect Nana, her partner, and Nana being that kind of nun character, being very, not necessarily actually religious, but seeming like kind of having that religious idea or undertow to her. Yeah, she has this 
very interesting thing to her, I think, where I think she basically never injures anyone. She never attacks anyone. She's always very peaceful. Hmm. It's very interesting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. N- Nana is basically like the support role. Like, literally, her power is just to give power to whoever she's thinking about. It's basically just if Helping Hand, the Pokemon move, were a magical girl. <laughs> like that, that like all she does yeah it, it's plain to see like why what happened happened considering she doesn't like fight at all yeah yeah definitely and again we'll get into that in a minute <laughs> and then we have a little bit of a different situation that's really interesting with a whole group of magical girls that are kind of in a team together the leader is understandably called ruler and she's very interesting because she is a an older, like, office lady type of character who escapes into being a magical girl. So she takes things a lot more seriously, I think, in that regard. And then her second is uh, Swim Swim. Yeah, also very interesting, very interesting character. And then the twins, as you had mentioned, Yuna-El and Mina-El are angelic characters. So they each have one wing and um, they're very, very small, but... In actuality, I believe they're college students in real life. So yep. that's also interesting. And then lastly, there is um, Tama, who is a cute little dog. <laughs> she has a very simple power as well. She's a very interesting case, I think. Mm-hmm. 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 So what do you think about this particular group? Uh, I think they are very, very interesting just because, aside from the Peaky Angels, they're all so, so different. You would look at them and think, why are they together? Uh, What the heck do they have any business doing working together? But then you find out, oh, Ruler can control other people. So she probably just, like, pointed her scepter at them and and was like, hey, work for me. And they had no choice but to listen. And then they just stuck with her because they figured, hey, it's an easy way to get these like magical candy points, so we might as well. Yeah, yeah. That distinction is very interesting with the those five, because like, well, of course, like we said, all the magical girls are very different. But yeah, that in particular, that group seems very different. And Ruler is very interesting because like she's extremely regal and. Um, seems to be very proud of her status. (laughs) I guess as we continue on, we're going to probably kind of get into a bit more spoiler territory. Yeah, as we talk about these other characters, because again, we're trying to talk about all of them. So yeah, then we have this robot magical girl, Magicaloid44. So she's very, very curious as well. Because of course, like all the other characters, she's actually human, but in her magical form, she looks and acts completely like a robot. Magicaloid is very, very interesting, uh, not only because of her power, but also because of like her personality and her motivations. All she wants is money. Yeah, She is willing to do whatever it takes to get money, even scam other magical girls <laughs> out of their hard-earned cash, which I thought was really, really funny and really, really endearing. And it- I would have loved to see more of her, but you know how it is. Yeah, and she's another one where, you know, at face value, it feels like, oh, well, she just wants money. That's, you know, whatever. But again, they 
are able to justify her character. So yeah, I mean, you still feel bad when things go wrong for her. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, goodness, should we talk about Mary or Alice next? Hmm, up to you. I find that Mary is so interesting. Yeah, so Calamity Mary. She's a cowgirl, but she's like also very, very sexy. But she's also the oldest character. So it's not like weird, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but it's not like super, super weird because she's an older character. So it kind of feels like even like her own costume is in a way a choice because like all the other characters, she is kind of escaping in this way. Yep. But she is a killer for sure. She's very scary by the end, I think. For sure. Yeah, she, she's very aggressive. She like knows how to like take what she wants as opposed to like earn what she wants she like Mm. she like goes out and does so many terrible terrible things and yet she's still very very interesting to watch despite that yeah definitely she's also very interesting because of uh, her age so she has kind of gone through like so much in her life already and um, she becomes a magical girl the same night that her uh, husband leaves her and takes her child, if I'm mistaken. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. Yeah. Because she gets sucked into this game as an escape and she's drinking and all these things. And the game is an escape for her in a very different way from the other girls, I think. Uh, yes. Yeah. But um, also her transformation and everything is very much akin to much older magical girls and i think that her name as well in a way is kind of akin to older magical girls so again very interesting writing like you can tell the the writers of this series really know their stuff before we get into alice we should talk about nemuri oh absolutely yes Um, nemurin is a very uh i don't want to say like empty character because like she has some character to her it's just that we barely get to see her and barely get to know her. Nemorin, she's the first to get the axe. Her power is that she can go into other people's dreams, which is a very interesting power until you consider that she can't actually do good deeds if all she's doing is going into other people's dreams. So as a result, she doesn't earn any of those magic candy points I briefly mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And she's kicked off the leaderboard and kicked out of the game, so to speak. Yeah, and she was, like, perfectly happy with it, you know, not knowing, of course, that she was going to die. She was, like, totally happy with, you know, the way that she uses her powers. And you can see even by the, the last dream that she's in that she does make an impact in the rest of the series, which... I'm very curious to know if it's going to be in the book or not, because I have purchased the book, so I am looking forward to reading those in the future. But uh, according to the internet, what I've seen, (laughs) she does kind of survive in, I guess, dreamland, as it were. So she isn't completely dead, despite everything, because of her powers. Uh, Yes, she died while she was still in magical girl form in the dream world visiting uh, the dream of another person so as a result she's still technically alive but only in the dream world yeah it's unfortunately never explored in the show just because the show 
only has 12 episodes and 16 girls to focus on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so as we said, like we have 16 girls and uh, a lot of the girls that we talked about, of course, died uh, eventually over time. But I want to talk about the one who seemingly for a while cannot die, which is Hardcore Alice. Um, she's uh, very yes, Alice. Alice is very fascinating because we discovered that she became a magical girl because she was rescued or uh, helped out by one. And it turned out that it was Snow White that rescued her or Quiki. So she is very interested in being, I guess, her partner. And uh, by the time this has happened, unfortunately, La Pucelle has already died. But uh, yes, Alice is very fascinating because she cannot die in her magical girl form. We learn it kind of in an interesting way because uh, she... But yeah, so as we mentioned before, Calamity Mary is so into killing people. And so she very much tries her best to kill Alice and does so much and yet cannot. And it's really wild to see her, yeah, just really going at it over and over and um, seeing that she feels no remorse over all of this. She's just like more and more frustrated that she can't kill her. Yeah. Alice is basically just the magical girl equivalent of Deadpool. <laughs> she, she has the same powers as Deadpool where like if she gets like cut to pieces or like something like that, she'll just regrow it like a lizard. Yeah. She could lose her entire body and still survive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we learn that because the first time that she gets attacked, someone tries to cut off her head, and that doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was very interesting as well. So I guess since we are getting into spoiler territory, I guess, do you want to go ahead and talk about Cranberry and Fav? Uh, I, I think we should talk about Cranberry, yeah. So, Cranberry... We don't actually know her real name. We don't know her real face. She's the only one who's always transformed every time we see her, even when she's at her house, which I think is very, very interesting because they leave so much up to the imagination. Yeah. Cranberry is a ruthless killer. She goes after and attacks so many other magical girls that it's not even funny well she is responsible for like one or two deaths uh she did inadvertently <laughs> cause la Puchelle's death because while she did fight her a lot la Puchelle did end up getting hit by a truck i like to imagine so to ended up isekai <laughs> hopefully we can only hope yeah yeah turns out Cranberry's entire job that she was conspiring with Fav, the mascot, who, who actually is a goldfish, by the way. I had no idea what he was supposed to be until I looked on the wiki. He's a goldfish, apparently. Cranberry's entire job was to look for ideal magical girls, like the people to like actually become proper magical girls and like join the magical land or whatever. But she thought that was boring and stupid. So she decided to set up a Hunger Games thing and disguise it as a contest to earn the most candy points. But when that didn't work, she was just like, okay, let's just let everybody kill each other. And then everything escalated from there. Yeah. 
guess we're getting to like the very, very end here, but we learn that there actually is a, another world where um, these magical girls are meant to go to fight and so on. And so it's actually the system's job and Fav's job to find these, these girls that are suitable. And um, yeah, Cranberry gets chosen to be a uh, master for this kind of a system. And we do see very briefly her younger magical girl self, but still transformed. It's kind of the moment where she changes because she survives a similar situation from the other, the rest of the characters. It's very interesting because she has very, very strong powers. But at the same time, her end eventually does come from what I would say is the most simple of magical girls, if that makes sense. Yeah, probably. Cranberry, being the most experienced, knows exactly what she's doing and knows exactly how to reach her goals. She still ends up dead, but at least she ends up dead in style. I remember (laughs) the thing that made me kind of hope to see her a lot longer was what she did to one of the two Peaky Angels. I don't remember if it was Minao or Yunao. It's really hard to tell them apart. The one that can turn into objects turned into like a rock slab or something. And Cranberry's power is to hear sounds. So she heard Minao and or Yunao's heartbeat. And she's like, oh, it's the rock. So she reaches her hand into the rock, rips out the heart, and then boom, that twin is dead. And I'm just like, Oh, man, I need to see more of Cranberry. And then the next thing I knew, Cranberry was dead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So her situation is very, very interesting. Yeah, sound manipulation would be her her power, I would say, um, particularly. And and her full name is uh, Cranberry the Forest Musician. So she seems very unassuming when we first meet her. She's always also hanging out with the other magical girls in the uh, chat room system and so on and she's just always in the corner playing her violin not seemingly like doing anything uh, suspicious and it's not until later on that we discover that she's actually a veteran and so on but uh, yeah her powers are very very intense because she can not only easily detect so many sounds from anywhere with incredible precision but she also is able to manipulate sounds to make people hear things or to you know, give people headaches and so on so yeah you're right her her powers have so much potential for like incredible things that we don't get to really see fully realized in this context yeah i believe there's only one or two girls we have to talk about now well we've kind of briefly mentioned everyone do you want to get into a little bit more about i guess talking about nana and vice winter prison sure so at one point nana and vice are trying to convince the other magical girls hey let's not fight let's join together let's form like a coup or something and cranberry catches wind of this and she's like oh my whole plan will fall apart so she confronts them and she's like, hey, fight me. And Cranberry manages to kill Vice Winter Prison. And Nana, unfortunately, can't take the pain of losing the person who meant so, so much to her at the end of that episode or the next episode after that. I, I forget which one. Uh, she unfortunately hangs herself uh, right there on screen. 
And that, that scene was just so shocking to me that it's still etched into my memory uh, months and months later. Yeah. Wait a sec. I don't remember it as Cranberry killing Winterpress, and I believe it was the twins. Oh, yes. I believe they were working together. It was really Swim Swim's plan, I think, about like betraying them, other than... Oh, uh, yeah! Not Cranberry, but that's okay. I could understand they're both like very similar characters, and we have not really gone to depth about Swim Swim yet. Oh, She's a big yeah. character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. The twins trick them and then Swim Sim kills Winter Prison. Then Winter Prison kills one of the angels. It's a lot. <laughs> and of course, that particular event is bad for both Nana and the remaining twin. As you can tell, if you haven't watched this show and you're listening to this, it is a very intense series. <laughs> There's just so much yes. happening. But yes, the suicide of Nana is very, very tragic, of course. And um, it's very, very unfortunate because before that, we get these beautiful scenes of them as a couple that are, you know, really, really lovely to see because, you know, as anyone knows, just any queer representation in Magical Girls is few and far between. Even in this series, it doesn't go as far as some people might like, I guess, if that makes sense. But yeah, so this ending for them, you know, of course, there's a lot of death, but this particular death is very sad. So I guess with that, should we talk about Swim Swim? Oh, absolutely. Swim Swim is, I believe, one of the most, if not the most, interesting characters in the whole show. For one thing, she looks like a teenager, just like every other girl here, but she's actually seven years old. Yeah. She is seven years old, and she is an evil mastermind, and I love her for it. In episode two, just before Nemorine dies, she actually visits Swim Swim's dream. We don't actually know that it's Swim Swim yet, but she visits Swim Swim's dream, and Swim Swim is there looking at Ruler in her dream and, and like admiring her, and Nemorine goes, hey, maybe instead of admiring the princess, Maybe you could be the princess. And that inspires Swim Swim to go and like take charge and take control of everything. Next thing you know, this little seven-year-old is in charge of handling Fav. Yeah. And so she's going around killing people left and right. Absolutely brutal. You don't know what's going to happen. Don't know who's going to end up surviving or not. Luckily, though, well, unluckily for me, because Swim Swim is one of my favorites, Luckily, though, Swim Swim does not succeed in her plans, mm. thankfully. Though I would like to know what would have happened had she actually succeeded. Yes, yes. So it is very interesting because, you know, there's so many things going on in Swim Swim. So just for, like, clarification. So Swim Swim, kind of as her name suggests also, she has this kind of swimsuit type of thing going on with her costume, but also looks a little bit musical. She basically can turn into water or turn anything else into water and just swim around in it as if it was water. So it's a very, very interesting, very useful power, of course. But yeah, so like you said, she gets this inspiration to become the princess and that leads to her killing Ruler. But at the same time, she still really feels like Ruler is a mentor and feels like she's following in her footsteps and names her weapon that she gets after her 
it's a very fascinating relationship that they have. And like, yeah, again, it's so uh, interesting to think about everything she does and remember that she is so young. Yeah, of course, no one else knows that she is that young until she dies. Because once any magical girl dies, they are in reverted back to their normal form. Actually, that reminds me. Tama actually saw what she looks like. Yes. There, there was a fight, like, at the very, very end, where mm. Tama, poor Tama, bless her heart, Tama and Swim Swim were fighting, uh, I believe it was Ripple and... It was um, Cranberry, because this was, oh, the, yes. this was the episode where they're trying to go after Cranberry. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Swim Swim gets knocked out, goes back to her regular self. Tama thinks she's dead. She gets back up. And because there's some rule that magical girls can't know what the others actually look like, uh, mm-hmm. which is weird because, you know, Sota and Kayuki admitted their identities to each other and that was yeah. fine. I think that was another rule from Ruler, not necessarily one that was of the whole thing exactly, yeah, but maybe, maybe yeah. that would make sense. Uh, because Tama uh, saw what Swimsim actually looks like, Swimsim had no choice but the killer. Poor Tama. Yeah, and Tama had just saved her life because Tama had been the one to kill Cranberry. And uh, we didn't oh, mention, yeah. Tama looks like a dog girl, kind of. And her ability is, she's very good at digging holes. Very big holes. Yeah. So she dug a hole in Cranberry. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. As someone who studied forensics, let me tell you, that would kill anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a very, very intense thing there, for sure. It was very heartbreaking because you think, oh, there's going to be this thing where finally these two are bonding. Swim Sim's like, nope, you can't know who I look like. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it and just kills her. Yeah. Yep. Again, Swim Sim is a very, very fascinating character because... She does a lot of um, things. And she's also the one who kills Alice in her human form because that's the only way you can kill Alice is if she's not transformed. Yep. Like she disguises as a puddle and then waits for the perfect moment and then boom, knife in the back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what else is there to say about Swimsome? Oh, yeah. Another reason why I love her uh, is because of her voice actress, which is actually ah. very funny. Uh, she's voiced by Inori Minase, at least in the Japanese version, who shares her voice with a particular spoiler character from Kira Kira Pre Kira Mode, which is actually funny because that's the season that uh, Kira Waffle covered when he was here. Um, <laughs> actually, a bunch of the girls share their voices with Pre Kira characters, which is especially funny in the case of Sister Nana, because her voice is identical to the voice of the Precure character that her actress plays from a host guy Precure. So, like, whenever I heard her talk, I'm just like, that's her. That's just her. God, I can't unsee this now. Yeah, okay, interesting. What other characters from Raising Project share Precure voice actresses or voice oh, actors? Um, uh, Koyuki Snow White, our main protagonist, shares her voice with Pafu the little poodle mascot from Go Princess, which is really funny because that came out about a year before this did. Uh, Hardcore Alice and Nemarine both share their voices with two of the characters from Tropical Rouge, 
uh, the upcoming season, at least at the time we're talking about this, uh, Nimarine shares her voice with Cure Coral, the purple one, and Hunger Alice shares her voice with Laura, the mermaid. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love how two of them ended up in the same show twice. Like, that's just really neat to think about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely true. Well, generally, a lot of Magical Girl voice actors end up voicing multiple Magical Girls over time. So I believe, yeah, almost all of the um, Tropical Ruse Precure cast has previously voiced characters in other Magical Girl series. Which is actually kind of funny because I'm like pretty sure there's a Precure parody, at least in the first few episodes, that Koyuki really liked and like looked up to. And she was like, oh, I want to be a, a magical girl like that. I want to be like cute and fluffy like that. And then her outfit is just a school uniform with flowers stuck to it. Like, girl, no, that's not a magical girl uniform. That's just an outfit. <laughs> yeah, actually, let's talk a little bit about that. Because I think that, like I said before, there are definitely a lot of references to if not specific Magical Girl series, at least different eras of Magical Girls. So for me, Koyuki's transformation as Snow White definitely is reminiscent of more recent Magical Girls, particularly of the like very kiddish genre and so on. We don't see a lot of actual transformations in this series because most of the time the characters are already transformed when they interact with each other. But the other two that I noticed, or I recall from my watching of the series, are Ripple and Calamity Mary. So Calamity Mary has like a very distinct thing she has to say before she transforms. And her transformation item is a lot more old-fashioned. So it reminds me a lot more of the... I want to say it's really 80s because it reminds me of like Aquachan, which did have an 80s reboot. and other magical girl series of that era from like studio piero and so on where they would have a a word before a name that was definitely a thing for a moment there yeah and then the last one yeah ripples for me was very reminiscent of the 90s and early 2000s magical girls so just Mm -hmm. a little bit older than the style that we were seeing from snow white's magical girl transformation yeah let's see it looks like All of the, not almost, all of the light novels have actually been translated, which is very fascinating to me. I'm just looking it up now. So um, I I had no idea. I knew that um, at least the first one had been translated, but um, yeah. And uh, I guess we were actually talking about it a little bit uh, before we started recording. So if you want to talk about that. Um, Oh, yes. So in the original light novels, uh, which came out, I believe, 2012 or 2013. Cranberry's name was not written as Cranberry the Fruit, but rather as Clanberry with an L. And I was confused about this for a while, because why would a translator look at the name Clanberry and go, hmm, that looks about right, and not, hmm, I think this should be Cranberry like the Fruit, considering she's the musician of the forest. But then I realized, oh, wait, oh, wait, it probably has to do with this thing from later, the, the mm. clan thing from a later book in the series. Yes, yes. Almost all the series have been translated into English. The only exception are the last two books, 
Queens has not been released yet. Queens is not coming out until, oh, next month, it looks like. So they're working on it for sure. So that's good for mm. fans of that series. They can look out for that. Still hoping someday that same thing will happen for Precure, but it's a different audience. So not sure. But yes, uh, it looks like they have been releasing these translations for quite some time. And we do have this thing where the Japanese wordplay is affecting the translation because in the next book, there is a major character called Clan Tail or Kuran Tail. And so that Kuran would be the same for Cranberry and Clan Tail in Japanese because there's no L in Japanese. So for that reason, it looks like. That's probably why they made that decision. Yeah, that, that would totally make a lot of sense. But like without the added context of the future books and series in the anime, then it's just like a really confusing change unless you know that part. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And um, there are 13 novels so far, but it doesn't really look like we're going to be getting any more adaptations, which is too bad. Because this world is just so fascinating and there's so much we still don't know. It's a major shame just because this world has so much potential compared to other shows in the genre. It's like, oh, hey, here's this concept and this power and this thing and this thing and this thing. And it's like, wow, tell me more. Yeah, I mean, even in just this animated series, we never even get to see what this other world is, which I think is a really fascinating choice because, you know, that is definitely a big aspect of a lot of Magical Girl series is what that other place is. And for anyone who doesn't want to read books, which I understand, it's a lot, the first few stories are also illustrated as comics. So the first story is in two volumes. That were released in 2015 and 2016, and both of those have already been translated into English, so you can check those out. So I think that's going to match more with the light novel series than with the animated series. Oh, and there is also another spin-off comic that is unrelated to the original story, so that's interesting. In publication, it's a very large world, but in terms of animation, we still have a long way to go. Do you have any ideas about why this series hasn't continued on, despite the lore just being all there, ready for the adaptation? Uh, I think that not many people really like gave the anime a shot, because by the time the anime came out, we already had uh, Madoka Magica, we already had uh, Yuki Yuna, we already had a bunch of dark shows in the genre. So as a result, people were probably like, oh, another dark one? I'll pass which is a shame because this one has so much potential. Yeah, I agree. I had seen a few Dark Magical Girls at this point by the time this had been adapted, and I didn't really think about it, right? 2016, yeah, it was just like, yeah, I wasn't thinking about it at all. It's like, oh, there's another series. I knew there were a lot of Dark Magical Girls series that I hadn't watched, but yeah, by this point, like you said, there were a lot of them, so... Yeah, it's really too bad. But it's also very interesting because the light novel series was pretty much published right after Madoka, it looks like, because it started in 2012. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll just have to see what happens. I know the publication is enough, the books are enough that, at least in that form, we will definitely see more. But we'll just have to wait and see how else it, it goes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So 
Is there anything else you wanted to say about raising project? Uh, no, I believe I've said all I have to say aside from go listen to the opening and ending. They are really, 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 really good. Oh, yes, that's true. They are very, very good songs. <laughs> yup, very, very good. Mm-hmm. I guess we didn't really talk about what happened between Ripple and Top Speed and Mary because、uh, Mary is trying to kill both of them. And yeah, oh, goodness, we didn't even talk about like Top Speed's death. Oh my goodness.、Uh, oh, goodness. Just, yeah, that's also another big one, I think. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so we see this interesting duo in Ripple and Top Speed who seem like very opposing characters, very different, but in reality, they're actually very close in age. Ripple is actually 17 years old in real life, and Top Speed is 19, which is very young considering that we find out later that she is pregnant. Something that we、yeah. don't know because she doesn't appear pregnant in her magical girl form for seemingly obvious reasons. But we get this constant thing where she is always talking about how she just needs to wait half a year. She needs to survive half a year. And after that, she doesn't really care what happens to her. And so it's not until she dies that we find out why she's been saying that. But yeah, there's this whole thing where Mary is, she decides to just go off on. Anyone and everyone, and just terrorizing everyday people, trying to entice、uh, both of them to appear and fight her, basically. And so that part is also very intense, I think. Yeah. Like we said, it's a very intense series with a lot of dark stuff, but none of it feels over the top. Seeing、mm-hmm. that as someone who has survived a lot of terrible things myself, nothing, of course, as bad as these magical girls, but still. <laughs> With relatable trauma, I would say I was still able to enjoy the series, if that makes sense. So, yeah. You know, it's not for everyone. So, if you start to watch it and decide maybe no, even actually just watching the first episode and the, I guess, the opening of that first episode might be enough to tell you if you're going to be enjoying it or not, because that's the level of gore that we're going to be getting into as you continue on. So, if you don't want to watch it, That is totally chill, I think. It's definitely a series where it, there are people who like very aggressively hate the series and have watched the whole thing, and you know, that's valid, right?、Mm-hmm. But I do think that it is good to know that there are people that enjoy it. Before we even started to like plan to have this episode, I hadn't even watched the series yet, so I'm very happy to say that I enjoyed the series. <laughs> so I guess that leads us to our last. Question Pixie, do you have a magical persona of your own?、Uh, yes, I do actually. Back when I was really, really starting to get into Preacher、uh, in the last few months of Go Princess's run, so like late 2015,、uh, very early 2016, I made my first ever Preacher fan series and it was、uh, very, very cringy. It's still available online, so I'm not going to say the title because I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a self insert fan fiction with myself and a few of my friends at the time. And in that fan fiction, I was Cure Jubilee, a purple cure with green accents. So I guess I'm technically still Cure Jubilee. And I plan on redesigning her in the near future to like balance out the purple and green and like make it harder to tell what color she is. Very interesting. Okay, don't worry. I know all about being embarrassing on the internet at a young age because <laughs> I was, I've been on the internet for a very long time. And back in 20, no, 
three, I published online a very bad Harry Potter self-insert fanfiction. So please don't worry about stuff like that. It's going to be fine. <laughs> um, you know, I think that I would say you seem like a writer. For me, I think that for many writers, that is kind of like the first step. I would say so. Yeah. I made a very broad decision by high school that I wouldn't do any fan series anymore. Like no fan OCs or whatever. But I have nothing against them. But I just wanted to like always make original stuff. It's like, oh, this idea that I did for this fan series might be better as an original concept. So that's kind of just how I feel about it with my own writing. But I started off with the most cringiest thing I could have ever imagined. And I even cosplayed as my self-insert Harry Potter character in high school. So, Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I started off in the fan series community uh, because I was a member of this huge, huge fan series Discord. I'm unfortunately not a member anymore. I have since been banned. I am sorry, fan series Discord members, if you're listening to this, but I kept my love of fan series alive to this day, and I've still been writing, still been working on it. It's still a lot of fun, like, to get out there and express yourself and, like, show the world, hey, here's my ideas, here's what I got, here's what I think would make Preacher even better, even though Toei would never do it, and... Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to see like what the community comes up with. And if, if Tropical Rouge is willing to give us a white-colored protagonist instead of a pink one, then Precure is willing to do anything nowadays, except give us a main character who's a boy, apparently. <laughs> yeah, my guess is there's probably never going to be a main character in Precure that is a boy. Not for any fault of Precure. Like, I hope there will be more... Like, for example, recurring or actually whole series boy Precure in the future, because I have known and met little boys who wanted to be Precure. But the reason being that there's only one Precure. Sometimes there's also girls heroine series, but that's in competition with Kamen Rider and Sentai, which is extremely focused on male characters. So mm -hmm. I think that as long as they're trying to balance that out. Unless there was like, I don't know, one year where they decide, okay, all of the Sentai are going to be girls and all the Precure are going to be boys. That would be interesting. But I don't think oh, that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. I mean, like, Sentai has had, for years and years and years, teams where it's like, oh, like three or four boys and like one or two girls. So I think maybe Precure could do that. Like three or four girls and one or two boys as like a mirroring of what Sentai does. To balance it out a little more? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Toy's in a lot of trouble right now, so... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's everything that we have to talk about. So, Pixie, thanks again for joining me today to talk about Raising Project and, I guess, other things. Thank um, you for having me. Yeah. So, where can people find you if they want to oh, chat with you uh, about you these can, things? You can find me uh, on Twitter at Pixie Schmixie, that's capital P, capital S, uh, no space, no no underscore, no nothing. You can find me on r slash Precure Fan Series. You can find me on Discord, on many, many, many Magical Girl servers, uh, mostly Precure servers. You can find me on the Sparkleside Discord uh, if you want to chat there, if you uh, are or were a guest there, if you're listening to this. 
yeah, uh, you can also find me on Tumblr at Pixie Schmixy as well, with a hyphen between Pixie and Schmixy, uh, if you want to find me there. That's pretty much everywhere. Great, thank you. And uh, yeah, the Discord, it's not just for guests, of course. Non-guests are more than welcome, but yeah, a lot of guests are there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for everything, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for having me. You as well. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkleside Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast if you like it. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you'd think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U. And you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at SparklesideChats at gmail.com. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. You can also join the Discord for this podcast to talk about magical girls 24-7. Just contact me for an invite link anytime. Or, if you're shy, you can get a public invite every week, the day after the latest episode is released. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co fee Monthly backers will also get to participate more deeply in conversations by submitting questions as well as getting access to bonus segments of the podcast. Backers of at least 500 yen or $5 will also have their name read on the podcast if they so wish it. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at TwinkleParks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical. <laughs>